Hey, how's it going? Good to see everybody. Um, last week I got to take off, which was dope. I want to thank Lara Bear for honing it for me, especially because I'd asked him a couple times. And uh, it was really gracious of you, Bear. And uh, yeah, we are, as Carrie mentioned, continuing our series, Footsteps, Rediscovering the Ways of Jesus. And the whole thesis of this is that we know, many of us have heard the words of Jesus, history has seen the works of Jesus, uh, but the ways of Jesus are a bit elusive. So the serious question we're asking is, uh, what are the ways of Christ in order that we may follow in his footsteps together as a people of God? And there's a, there's a framework to this series that we've been going through, it, and it is somewhat sequential, but it's also cyclical in many ways, so I don't want it to be totally chronologic with this, but the framework is this, that just as Christ did these things, we also uh, enter into these realities, that we are called to embrace our identity while living in God's authority, that as people who say yes to the God who says yes to us, we find people of peace, and from when those people of peace that we serve, listen to, and welcome, and they in turn do the same. We create an extended family on mission, rooted in God's gospel, the good news of Jesus. And within that family, we make disciples who make disciples. That's what we're beginning today. That's where we're camping out this week and next week, conversations on discipleship. And then we also establish healthy, fruitful rhythms in order to live in the graciousness of God and have fun and not burn out. There's a lot of reasons to do that. And ultimately, we do live the cross, carrying life just as Jesus did. And I found this series, especially when I saw this framework, it's a bit challenging. Because inherent in the framework is the call to maybe step out of the direction that we're walking, and not maybe, likely, and step into the steps that Jesus would have for us. So what is your invitation there? There's an invitation. It's a, it's a loving and gracious, gracious invitation, but it's also a challenging call. It, it is a challenging call. It's, it's the better way, but it's not an easy path. And as we read through the Gospels, as we noted in some of the calls that Jesus had in people's life, you see there's this beautiful blend of invitation, loving invitation, and also challenge, which I would say is loving challenge. You see that with Peter when he says... Uh, Follow me, he says, he says, what do you say? From now on, you're going to fish for people. And Peter, that Peter, that was a great purposeful invitation. It's a loving invitation to the family of God, but it also meant leaving behind his security, his reputation, in order to follow Jesus. A few verses later, we see a similar call to Levi, a.k.a. Matthew. And we might think, man, that's the greatest invitation for him. He was a hated tax collector, a colluder with Rome. But there was sacrifice for Matthew too. There was a challenge for him. He had friends in low places, but also high places. He had friends. And Jesus is saying, I want you to use your brilliant mind for the kingdom, and I want you to use your extensive network and throw a party and invite people into a greater conversation. We see that time and time and again. The centurion praises Jesus for his faith, and Jesus isn't like, no, no, no. He's like, yeah. Uh, No, I'm sorry. Jesus praises the centurion of faith. The centurion praises Jesus for his authority, and Jesus owns that authority. It's like, you have great faith, and yes, that is my authority. Women support Jesus in his ministry, a time where they unfortunately look like second-class citizens, and they use their means to support Jesus' ministry. You see, time and time and again, there's a demon-possessed man. He heals him completely, invites him back into humanity and into a relationship with him. And then the demon-possessed man wants to go with Jesus. He's like, no, actually, I need you to stay here. 
you can't come with me. I need you to plant the seeds of the early gospel in this Gentile region because post-Easter, there's going to be an amazing domino effect. There's going to be a wind of the Spirit. Invitation and challenge. You're going to hear those phrases a lot today. High invitation, high challenge. That's who Jesus is. So yes, this is a great conversation. There's a loving invitation, but there's also a challenge for us to participate in the kingdom. And, and, and typically, the greatest moments of our life come when we persevere in the midst of challenge. And not only that, but there's likely God has put someone in your life that's either walked with you or at least guided you as you entered into your greatest challenge. I mean, think about your, maybe the greatest challenge you've had in your life. Who was there to walk with you when you, were, when you were entering into that challenge? Who was there? In fact, I would want us to take a moment and pause. We've done a lot of talking. I've done a lot of talking. But we need to understand that as guides, this is the call. As parents, for people who dedicated their children, though it's not relegated to parents, your call is to provide loving invitation, gracious invitation, and also challenge into a more fulfilling and ultimately loving way. But who's done that for you? Who is somebody in your life or maybe a group of someone that challenged you into a more loving way? Whether that be rugged purpose, greater generosity, merciful justice, sacrificial love, ultimately Christ-likeness. And perhaps you're like here and you're like, I, I don't know about that crescendo. I'm not even, I don't know about this Jesus thing. I have a hard time enough with the church. Then who is somebody that's challenged you to greater altruism or justice? good for the poor. Take a moment and share that with somebody beside you, a, a leader in your life, a guide, a mentor. We would call them a shepherd in the church. Take a moment and share that with somebody beside you. So in my life, I've had uh, the grace of many amazing mentors. Uh, I think most of us have. That's God's grace. His plan A is people. Started with Jesus. It continued with so many people. Parents, buddies, parents, Father Masterson, Scott and Lindsay Wildy, Matt from Flood. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few, but as I thought of this question, uh, the one that stood out was glaring was my man, Bear. Lair Bear, dude. God's grace to me. Love him. He's been with me. I've been hanging out with him since 2007 or 8. And when I first met Larry, the first meeting, I wanted to punch him when I left. I was like, I'm going to punch this guy. Because <laughs> he challenged me not to be a pretender, which meant I have a propensity to be a pretender. Uh, to like pretend the faith, to use Christianity for my own platform. If you're in the church, it's, it's acting a bit pharisaically, which he is, was, tension there, right. But he hung with me through the years as we were transitioning from becoming a campus at the church we previously were at into to this church. He always challenged me to trust God's protection and provision. Uh, but also to step, to move. And then lately, he's, he's encouraged me to own my weaknesses, not so that I can have my back rubbed and say, oh, but actually so that other people can lead. He's like, yeah. He's, his challenges are like real, you know, like they're really good. You're like, well, that makes sense. And, um, but they also come with a greater awareness and intimacy and trust in God. So I love you, bear. Thank you, brother. There's a picture, that's what I call polar bear. Um, <laughs> he didn't ask if I could do that, and I didn't ask him, and you're welcome. Uh, I love that picture, and Bear, we're given the wine award, you know, and um, usually our wine is half empty. This one's half full. No, it's really full. 
Thank you for preaching last week, dude. While we take communion, yeah. We, we got to spend uh, a weekend together this weekend at a conference, which was great. And, and I would say this, as we think about children and being children of God, that we all require shepherds. I think we need to trade in the word leader for shepherds in a church. We require shepherds uh, who are able to exercise, calibrate, if you want to get nerdy, the tandem beauty of invitation and challenge. Invitation and challenge. Children and children of God require guides who lovingly invite us into God-honoring relationships and challenge us into kingdom responsibilities. When I say invitation challenge, one nuance of that is relationship and responsibilities. We need people in our life who invite us and challenge us, not just people over top of us, but beside us. And there's really not even anybody over top of you or beside. They're all with you. There are people who lead us at times and we follow, but ultimately we're just following Jesus. And real leaders come underneath, and we'll talk about that. But you think about it, even the framework of this series, it does this beautiful job of invitation and challenge that you're embracing your identity. It seems like invitation. Living your authority, that seems like a challenge. Finding people peace, people who serve you, feels like an invitation. But then creating an extended family, creating a church, the necessity of being in community, that can be challenging. Making disciples who make disciples, being disciples, invitation, making disciples, challenge. Establishing healthy, fruitful rhythms feels like an invitation. Living a cross-caring life, that's a challenge. And let me just talk to my contrarians in the room. Aren't they all both invitation and challenge? If somebody told you to rest, take a day of rest, wouldn't that be a bit of a challenging to stop? Isn't there actually invitation carrying cross? And I would say, yeah, you're right. They actually both have that. It's a challenge to own our identity. It's a challenge to find people peace. It's an invitation. They're both this beautiful DNA strands, that two sides of strands that come together and work in unison. It's a wonderful reality. I'm not a doctor. Uh, But definitively, let's talk about what is invitation. It is about covenant relationships, but when you expand it, it's more. It's the willingness to live in covenant relationship. I got your back no matter what. I'm with you. Where there's a high-level investment and support offered in return for openness and willingness. Challenge is kingdom responsibility, but when you expand it, it's the willingness to speak words of truth into someone's life, to call them to a life more reflecting God's kingdom purpose and responsibility. This is not just a conversation about leadership, particularly our Western corporate mindset of leadership. Within the kingdom, we're called to bear one another's burdens. We're called to submit submit to one another out of Christ, we're all called to the Great Commission to go and make disciples. This is about the ways in which we operate together. Um, and, and you may think, uh, hey, I may not be in that season to lead, but God always has someone to invest in you, or for someone for you to invest in, rather. And uh, yeah, I do think, yeah, there are times in our life where like, we should not lead for whatever reason. You may be in recovery. Uh, there may be just a learning process where you're at. And that matters, but this is then a conversation about looking for people, being aware of who God wants to help guide you. So yeah, this is a big conversation. This is, a, this is an important one. Invitation means we equip people to fulfill their calling. Challenge means we, we direct them to use the gifts that God's already given them to fulfill the calling. There's so many nuances here. 
within invitation, there's belonging, there's mercy, there's developing skills, there's freedom to fill, there's collaborative leadership so there can be mutual buy-in. Within challenge, uh, there's acknowledging giftedness and giving directive clarity, clear expectations and accountability, and hopefully agreed upon metrics like, hey, this is what we want to see happen in your life. Agreed upon metrics. Invitation, challenge, pan out. It's this beautiful balance of being, doing, relationship, responsibility. For kids, when you think about those monumental ages, zero to three, three to five, five to 12, it's about play and purpose. And for them, that's a season of life where they are completely tied together. Let the kids play because that is where they find their purpose. God is wiring their brains as they construct Legos. God is showing them their heart for justice as the Batmobile races after the Joker, as Moana rides the high seas. This is like the thing that God's doing. And so as guides, I want to challenge you and invite you to sit down with them. And that's a call that I need to do, to to enter into their play and purpose. Ultimately, this is, when you pan out, it's, it's that beautiful blend of grace and truth that John 1 says Jesus came full of says it twice. And we like to think that, I thought this, like uh, anybody like math? Like I I do, I do. I was an engineer for a couple years. And um, we like to think of a linear continuum. And we think that grace is over here. It's like, I'm being graceful, I'm hanging. And then you walk over this way and I'm being truthful. And that I remember being challenged by someone. It's like, you can't think about it that way. The reason why we tend to polarize grace and truth is probably because we've experienced leaders who have been either ushigushi or like completely stressful or organizations that can feel that way. You're like, yeah, they can't coexist. To that I say nay. May the people say nay. They can. They can. Usually when you see somebody who's acting a certain way and who loves Jesus, it's not an opportunity for them to be less that way. It's an opportunity for them to grow in this other side of it so that they can live in unison and God can use the the grace and truth, the invitation and challenge to smooth each other as they sharpen one another. Mystery, I'll leave it at that. Um, I do think, and if you've been around, if you've ever been in a discipleship circle with me, I do love Cartesian planes, X, Y axis, has anybody seen this? And what you need, has it, does anybody remember that? The XY axis, it's a little bit more, I don't want to say voluminous, but at least has more area to it. That they're meant to work together, that there can be low challenge. Challenge is the X axis, invitation being the Y axis. Um, you can still do self-assessments of where I'm at when it comes to invitation, challenge, being, and doing. You can have an organization that is, well, I, it's hard to really dictate a low challenge, low invitation, because a lot of us probably aren't there. But that may be, it's a really boring culture. This top, bottom left, apathetic. It's, it's probably a place where everybody feels like they just need to be. It's like, okay, I guess we've got to go here, and you're not challenged much. You don't experience a lot of relationships. I think that's an extreme example. I think when you think of creating spaces where no one's showing up, maybe even a, like a cool church like this, like, okay, not a lot of people are doing this. That's probably, we might have to tighten up our invitation and challenge either to be a part of that or there's, people aren't experiencing that. 
So it's like, it's a good litmus. Like if people aren't showing up, probably low invitation, low challenge. Not, it's not completely formulaic, but it's a helpful test. Then there's the top left, which is low challenge, high, high invitation, and that's a consumer cozy culture where it, it kind of reflects that belong before you believe, and that's about it. There's not necessarily that corresponding belief so that you can become. It's like, hey, just hang out. Just be here. Let's just chill. It's fine. Um, God loves you for sure, but God wants to do an incredible work in and through your life. Conversely, you may have a low invitation, uh, a high challenge, a very stressful culture where it's all about becoming before you believe. It's all about produce, produce, produce. Uh, there's little rest, little recognition. You have to prove your worth. In the Gospels, that would be a lot of the religious leaders area. They were stressful, they were stressed, they wouldn't say it, but they created a stressful culture for others. Then, and then I think like, you know, you can have organizations that have both of it. That whole 80-20 rule, that 90-10 rule where uh, 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people or converse, conversely, 9% of the people are just kind of showing up. And I wouldn't say that's this church. I actually really appreciate it. We have like a high volunteer. Uh, we have a really great spread of people who give sacrificially. So I'm stoked about that. But that's just something to be aware of. But what we ultimately want to be is a high invitation, high challenge, high call to who you are and high call to kingdom, who you are in Christ. Um, that's a kingdom culture. So take a look at that. Does that make sense? Does anybody need clarity? You can interrupt me. That's pretty good, right? Cartesian plane? I think what's important is now what you're reflecting, hopefully, is how would you describe yourself? Where would you tend to dance in? I don't think there's any boring people here, but, but uh, how would you describe maybe the way in which you lead or guide? I should have put shepherd others, but it's Okay. How would you rate the, the church by and large today? That's a capital C. And granted, we have a very uh, minute view of the church across the world. I get that. It's denominationally. Uh, but yeah, how would you rate this the churches that you know? And then how would you rate our church? I would love to know that. I think as we reflect on those things, I want to just double down that the invitation is not to, or the challenge is not to swing the other way. That's, that's linear continuum theory, not Cartesian plane. The invitation is like, okay, to discern in this moment or in this relationship or in this area of leadership, what are you inviting me to couple my leadership with, Lord? What, is it your gracious invitation? Is there an opportunity to, to be more boldly, to, to call people to kingdom endeavors? That's what I want, I want to make sure. And if there's a conversation that you need to have with somebody. Again, whether you're being led, led, working side by side, I want to deconstruct those barriers, but I understand that not all the world does that. What, what, what is God calling you to exercise? What is God? And if you don't know, I would say this, I, I, I think relationship always precedes responsibility. That connection always comes before correction. But that said, we sometimes need to challenge people into relationships. So I, that's where I don't think that means you come in all soft and ooey gooey. It's like 
You can challenge, hey, dude, I love you, and I'm recognizing there's something off about our relationship. That can be challenging. Uh, I don't have another sermon prepared. I have a brief homily uh, just because this question's been sitting with me for a while, and I think it's helpful for us because these are still big terms. Grace and truth is a huge term. Invitation challenge still big is, what are the marks of a loving kingdom shepherd who is able to calibrate both invitation and challenge? I feel like that's another way for us to assess this conversation. For our lives, uh, for the lives of those around us, what what are the marks of a loving kingdom shepherd who calibrates both invitation and challenge? And yes, we did have child dedications today. This is not, again, just for parents, but this is super important as you parent. Super important. I think it's also something in my head because Courtney and I went to Dallas, not last week. We had a vacation last week, but the week before we went to Dallas for this church assessment, it was like pastor boot camp. It was like, seriously, it was just like so much work, like working on projects late at night and doing all these assessments. It really affected my performance tendencies a bit, but I also uh, was having fun with it, uh, having a really good time. But we did... We did get high recommendations to plant a church, which is like two years later, but like, it's okay. It's like, good to know. It's like, ah, it's good to know. Good to know. Thank you. Um, And we trust their feedback. And if they had some pauses, we would have brought that to our leadership team, but it went pretty good. That said, they they challenged me. It's like, hey, we just sense you need to lead more boldly to to be more direct. And I share that with you freely um, because I... That was what was told with me. It's like, be more direct. Which I was like, okay, that's, I receive it. And it's something I've been sensing. And I've been sitting with this question. It's like, okay, you call someone to, to, to be more challenging to others. Um, that can like, I told a few people that and they're like, ugh. They're like, really? Because we all have stuff with leaders and stuff and pain, right? I mean, that's why I feel free to tell you that. It's like, yeah, I tell you that. And let's get moving, people. No, 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 no. Uh, but there's, I've, I've been sitting with that. I was like, okay, well, what is some good accountability for me if God is calling me to live more directively? What's more accountability for, for all of us? I think this accountability also matters if God's calling you to, to lead more invitationally. It's like, all right, you're an awesome leader, but you, you tend to like lead like sandpaper, rubbing me the wrong way. I feel like these principles still apply. These principles still apply. So Lord, do your thing, what only you could do, in Luke 9 and Luke 10, there's this pivotal moment where Jesus has done these two years full of ministry. He sends the disciples out two by two, that Mark says, it didn't say in our passage today, and he says, go do what I've done. I'm giving you authority based on the Holy Spirit. This is before the Great Commission. This is in the midst of ministry. And then after a year later, he sends out 72 more people, which happens to be uh, six times 12, which you must think there must be some investment on the original disciples if they're two into 12 people. That's how that works out mathematically. But we can't get through all that because it's a homily, Gary. But this is what happens. This is what they're called to do. And I think it's helpful as we reflect on the marks of a loving kingdom shepherd and disciples who are seeking to calibrate both invitation and challenge. It says in Luke 9, and you can sit for the Luke 9 portion, or stand rather, out of respect for God's word if you're physically able. The scripture says this. This is Jesus completing two years of ministry. One day the Lord Jesus called together his 12 disciples, Mark says, two by, and gave them power and authority to cast out demons and heal all diseases. 
Then he sent them out, again, two by two, according to Mark's gospel, to everyone about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He says, take nothing for the journey, he instructed them. Don't take a walking stick, a traveler's bag, food, money, or even a change of clothes. And wherever you go, stay in the same house until you leave the town. And if a town refuses to welcome you, shake its dust from your feet as you leave to show that you have abandoned those people to their feet. Fate. High challenge. You can have a seat. So he sends, it, he sends those disciples out. They come back praising God for what God has done. Another year of ministry happens before Luke 10. Luke 9 is a very long, like timely passage. There's a lot that happens. And we're going to talk about Luke 9 a bit next week and the week after about the revelation that the disciples receive. But in Luke 10, it says this, that he sends them out 72 now. And he tells them, whenever you enter someone's house, first say, may God's peace be on this house. And if those who live there are peaceful, the blessing will stand. If they are not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept the hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. And if you enter in a town and it welcomes you, eats whatever before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near you now. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out in the streets and say, we wipe even the dust of your town from our feet to show that we've abandoned you to your fate. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. So these 72 go out. This is a year after the, the 12 go out. And it says when the 72 disciples returned, they joyfully reported to him, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. That means that like people are coming to faith. People are seeing healed. That's like they share the most crazy thing. But in that moment, they were taking joy in what Jesus challenged them to do. So as we, we could talk a lot about those passages Timing, numbers, all that stuff. But the question for today is, what are the marks of a kingdom shepherd who's able to calibrate both invitation? The first one is this, is that a kingdom-loving shepherd receives joy both in others and the work. That if we're, if we're trying to increase either our invitation and challenge or both, a good litmus, a good metric is like, how much joy are we taking in others? How much joy do we have in the work? This is, this is the kingdom that we get to participate. And joy is not a feeling. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. Joy is a pervasive way of being that's rooted in awe. It's rooted in hope and trust. Seeing God work and trusting God is working even when we're not seeing it. It's all about loving. So as we lead others, as we shepherd others, whether we see them all the time or maybe see them every few years? Do we take joy in them? And do we take joy in the kingdom partnership we have with them? When our kids, are we taking joy just in who they are? And also joy in the kingdom responsibility that God has given them as they put one blue Lego on top of one red one. That is the first litmus for me. If, if I lose my joy, what is that, red Red moon and night, sailors delight. Red moon and morning, sailors take warning. Take warning. It's a red moon. That's a mark of a loving kingdom shepherd is joy in others and joy in the work. Another mark, a loving kingdom shepherd serves with, I like this word, intrepid humility. That just means bold humility, but they kind of feel like they cancel each other out. It's like a fearless humility. 
But the key word is actually not fearless or humility, is that a kingdom shepherd should serve. I've heard sermons, I don't know how this got said out loud, but we're called to be servant leaders, right? Like we see that in Jesus' ministry. He washes our feet, we wash other people's feet. I've heard people say, a servant leader leads servants. And you're like, I don't think that's what Jesus means. And I know most of us would be like, that's silly. But a lot of us, through the influence of our corporate nature and just the way that life is structured, actually tend to lead servants more. They tend to call for more submission and less sacrifice. And we're called to sacrifice as we submit and at times call others to submit. That's the call, to serve. So if I'm not serving, red moon at morning. Same with you. If you're not serving, there's, there's something in your faith that you need to talk to God about. If you're not taking joy in others, that's a conversation for us to have with God. Lastly, as we think about a loving kingdom shepherd who calibrates both invitation and challenge, that a shepherd is compelled by the gospel for all people. The gospel, the good news, that God is risen, that God is saving us, both for the pre-Christian and Christian alike. That we are compelled by God's gospel, God's good news, the fact that God is with us, not just in an afterlife prayer, but with us today, that you get to be with God who walks you in the lows and be with God who's pushing you to walk with other people, both in the lows and highs. That God is there to celebrate with us, that God is there to be with us. That a kingdom shepherd is more importantly about you encountering God than their own leadership. That is, that is the key. And I will say, as we just talked briefly about discipleship, there is a hidden center a discipleship that we all kind of itch at a little bit. And I think it's because there's a challenge there. That in, with, inherent within discipleship is the call to be evangelists, to take joy in others, to serve, and compel others to the gospel. That is evangelism. And in the West, there's nothing in your way You've got a God who's with you, a God who's already at the work in the lives of others. You've got children who, who, who need God's love because we're going to fall short as parents. You've got friends and people who, who, who are dying to know the God who dies for them. We are called to be sharers of good news. That is the call. It's the hidden center. We don't like that because, of course, televangelists and all that, but like, um, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we are called to give people an encounter with a God who loves them, graciously invites them into a life worth living and also challenges us to a kingdom responsibility that we all want. Amen? So I don't know what you're coming in with today, but there's a God who invites you and challenges you into the better way. I don't know what we're coming with. There's... I. I there's a phrase that says you, you never underestimate the blood in the pews, the issues that we have, the hiddenness in our life, our loneliness, our grief. I mean, in different ways, there are people here who have probably financial problems and they don't know what to do. They're like, I don't know what to do. I mean, just every month it seems like it's just a little bit less and I'm kind of stressing and I don't know what's going on. There's marital issues that we have. My, I don't feel like 
my spouse and I have connected in months or years. There's singleness where people are like, what is my place in the church? Like, do I even have a place? Why do we hold marriage as this end-all, be-all, like this thing that you have to do when it's actually the cause, it's better to be single. You're free to live the kingdom. I mean, there's people here, all of us, that are like have an online persona that we're terrified about people even knowing about. Relationships that we're in, maybe emotional connections that are just not right. You know it's not right, but you don't know. But God wants to meet you in that. God wants to lovingly embrace you. God wants to challenge you and walk with you to a better way. There, there may be men here who have these subtle attraction to other men. There may be women who are feeling these attraction to other women. There may be parents who can't stand their kids. There may be parents who have hit a kid and they don't know what to do about it. God wants to encounter you. And God wants to put people in your life who will walk with you to show you the better way. There may be people who just hate themselves right now. And God's like, no, no. You have a dignity that I've given you that's greater than anything else. And all of us are called to live within that dignity. Here's what I could say about this room. Every one of us falls short. All of us desperately need a loving kingdom shepherd. And if you feel like you're without that, I would say nay. That God is with you and we would love to partner with you as a church so that whatever hiddenness there is, we don't, we don't need to know all the things, we just wanna know you. And we want you to know that you're loved and that there is a fulfilling way in Christ, amen? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite the band up and I just wa- I wanna pray for us as they come up. So Lord, we, um, we know that you are the loving kingdom shepherd. And God, sometimes that word feels so big that we miss the fact that you, the scripture says that you're, you, Jesus, are, are, are an oral brother, a sibling who wants to come beside us, co-labor with us, who wants to heal our wounds, bandage us up, help us on our feet. And as we hobble our way around, we stop, see someone else who's wounded, heal their wounds, bandage them up. Oh, mine's coming off. You got me. She's got me now. And that, that's what we're called to be. Your sheep, your people who trust in you, trust in your rod, which is meant to protect us from the enemies, and your, your staff, which is meant to guide us, even sometimes prod us along the way. And maybe there's somebody here that needs to be prodded into your arms. Like, this is your time. The call of discipleship is to first to say yes to God. So Lord, we want that invitation to always be there. And we know it's challenging, but ultimately it's loving. So Lord, this is another time we say yes to you. Good shepherd. And we praise you. We praise you for each person here. Would they know you are in their lives and you want to continue to walk with them. In Jesus' name, amen. So some next steps, I don't have my notes. Um, Next steps would be baptized. On November 5th, we're on the beach. It's one of my favorite places to meet. Um, We're gonna have a great day. So if you, just to proclaim who you are. And then uh, 
Another next step is to discern who, who God is calling you to invest in, to guide. It doesn't mean to be a corporate leader in their life, but to shepherd. What's the invitation there? What's the challenge? And then, of course, just as Carrie mentioned, to support the movement uh, and be with us as we transition. Next Sunday is our last Sunday here at Light. We thank God for Light. So awesome that they let us have the space for two, two and almost a half years. Then we meet on the beach on November 5th, and then we go to our new space on November 12th. But one thing is note, on November 5th, there's also a connection dinner that night where we're going to go check out the space, and we invite you to that as well. Uh, but now the immediate invite is to worship the Lord.